hey, Janelle, do you love yourself? And I looked at her and I thought for a bit and I was like, no. She was like, whoa, out of everybody that I thought that I would ask, I did not expect you to say no. I was like, no, I don't, but I'm on, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out how to get to that space. And she was like, I've asked a couple of our other friends and they've instantly said yes. But I look at them and I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. And the people that she told me, I was like, no, it's just an instant like, yeah, I do. Right? It's a defence. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melbourne Reconnect. I'm Paul Medhurst here with my co-host, Kai Murillo. Hey, guys. And we're in the Beyond Rest Chill Out space, which is a lovely space in all our centres. And we've got a great guest today, Janelle Green. Hi, everybody. Okay, so the way we usually run this is we get a little bit of a bio from you, just a bit of a rundown from key events in your life that you think are relevant or that you like to talk about. And then from there, we'll sort of ask some questions around that and then just see where the conversation goes. So you can go for it. Okay. Easy stuff. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do around sort of the Paran area, what you've done for us here at Beyond Rest and go from there. Okay, so I own a business called Element Wellness and Healing just on High Street in Paran. I'm a kinesiologist and intuitive healer and I have a couple of staff members that work for me. So I have another kinesiologist and intuitive healer that I've mentored and trained. He's an excellent healer Mm -hmm. Um, and also a massage therapist who's also a healer as well. So in our team currently. And I know Beyond Rest really well because every month I come here and do space cleanses for them. So that means that I come in and cleanse the energy um, and just make sure that everything is beautiful in this space for them. A hundred percent. But Janelle's been coming in pretty much since day dot for us. Um, and every month it definitely makes it definitely makes a difference. It makes a noticeable difference in the energy in this place, even if you are a bit of a skeptic. Like myself, you can. There's there's a noticeable shift here. We've had people commented on in the past, and I've actually been a client of Janelle's previously, um, but recently Janelle's blown blown right up, which has been fantastic. It's what the last twelve months or so can't even can't even get a booking anymore. Yeah, it's um, it's multiple <laughs> staff and about to open a wellness center, and it's all going very well, which is huge in an industry that's so not saturated, but getting that way especially in Melbourne. Melbourne, there's sort of kinesiologists everywhere and intuitive healer types and that sort of thing, and most of them are coming through and they're doing that part-time, they've got other jobs, and it's you know, it's fantastic to see you've got more than you can actually handle now. Yeah, it has. it's been a really – it's been, I guess, gradual but fast. And, and when I left my um, – you know, when I left my full-time job and decided to go into kinesiology full-time – I sort of I did that gradually as well, and um, it feels like I did that twenty years ago, and also two months ago. Time sort of seems irrelevant. It's gone really fast, but yet it feels like it's gone really slow. It's just everything's in flow. Um, so yeah, starting off with you know working um, full time, um, studying full time at the same time, and then going and cutting that down to. Um, you know, taking some more days off while I was working and then building up my business, just working from home. 
And then after building that up from home, then, you know, that was about 12 months and it got to a certain point where it was like I I couldn't continue bringing people into my house. It got a lot busier. And then I moved across the road to a treatment space and that was two years ago. So from there, from when I first started to where I am now, I've got 450 clients and I've never advertised. So it's all word of mouth. Um, And it's been fantastic. And yeah, then I had to put a a part-timer on. So he's working for me two days a week and he's he's booked out as well. And yeah, I'm booked out for about eight to nine weeks. Yeah. That's exciting. So, that's pretty awesome. Very exciting. It's, you know, that's sort of, it's what everyone sort of aspires to when they get into that industry. And, mm. you know, as you know, we see we see tons of people trying to venture and break through into that industry or, or even still working in a corporate space and sort of dreaming about that. Do you just want to touch on your previous corporate life and how different of a person you were before then? Sort of give us a little bit of a rundown on younger, wilder, you know? <laughs> sure. So, if we go right back to back before even work and we talk about wilder Janelle when she was a teenager, um, I had um, quite a few emotional things going on as a teenager. So, I was quite often, I was sick all the time. Um, I had a little bit of a breakdown, I guess you could call it, if I look back in hindsight, um, diagnosed with chronic fatigue, but not diagnosed with chronic fatigue. Like, you know, I had no idea, but if I actually, from what I know now, I can look at that and I'm just like, yeah, I had a lot of emotional stuff going on. So, I was an early school leaver. So, I left school in year 10 twice um, and then started working full time um, just in retail and like with any job, I've got extreme work ethic. So, even though I was working in retail, I built my way up. I worked there for six years at Rebel Sport. By the end of it, I was part of head office running the visual merchandising team. Um, and from there, I decided that I wanted to be an events manager. So, I quit full-time work um, and went back to full-time study. And this is a kind of thing that I do as well. If there's something that I feel like I might enjoy or be good at, I've just kind of get this courage up of just going, right, it feels right. I'm going to do it. Um, and everything falls into place. So, continued to work in retail while I was studying events management again, working my tail off. So, having, I think, four days off in two years, um, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Mm. And um, volunteering at every single event that I could possibly volunteer at. So, by the end of that events management course, um, I was contacted by L'Oreal and asked if I could come on board and work for them. Um, So, that's a bit of a dream job to come out straight out of studying events management. Never went for an interview and I was supposed to be there for three months and I was there for three and a half years. And again, working my way up in that and being in control of quite a few um, main events like uh, the tennis, um, fashion festival, um, the races, all that kind of stuff. But also working 90 hours a week. Um, Loving it though but um, really running my body to the ground. So, I would go crazy with event season. I wouldn't eat properly. I survived on Coke Zero and, um, you know, all of those things that you do in events, sometimes having an hour's sleep, sometimes sleeping in the car and getting back up and being on shift on site. Um, But as I said, loving it. But every single time at the end end of an event, I would get sick, really sick. So, I got shingles once. I got all of these different things. So, that was my events career um, and so whilst I was, when I sort of get got to the tail end of my events career, I started to, I guess, mm, 
um, how can I explain that? I was sort of being pushed out of that by forces other than myself. And so I just started partying a lot. So I was partying and working hard. So both of those things in a combo, I was still able to manage them, but not great for you. And that was the wild Janelle that really started to come out. Um, and then... Um, I was sitting at my desk one day. I was the events manager of Nickelodeon Slime Fest. I'd sort of started to do contract work. Dream job. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty fun, actually. Um, And I was like, what am I doing? Why do I want to do this job? Working 90 hours a week. I was looking for my next contract. That's right. And no one, I was like, normally if I put my resume in, everybody would, like I wouldn't even get an interview. I'd just walk in. They'd be like, yeah, cool. Here's the gig because of my CV. No one was getting back to me. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, what's going on? Why do I want to do this job? What is it? It's feeding my ego. You know, I'd have, when I was the events manager at Mooney Valley Racecourse, don't even like horse racing, but I'd have 30,000 people turn up on course and I'd be like, yeah, I did that. And there'd be this adrenaline that would come from that. Um, And I'd never sort of, you know, get stressed out at the time or whatever, but obviously my body would show that at the end of the event. Um, so I was sitting there going, why do I want to do that? And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm going to be a kinesiologist. Um, I'd been seeing a kinesiologist for quite a few years, but I hadn't been seeing, I hadn't seen her in ages. Um, and I don't remember the next hour, but I know that the next thing on my screen was, um, I must've typed in kinesiology and, um, there was a course that started in a month and there was an info session two days after that. So I went into that. And then sort of continue to do event contract work and study. And that's where I am now. And how long ago was that? When did you enroll in the kinesiology course? 2015. So not long? Not long ago. So yeah. So finished in 2016. Oh no, sorry, 2016, start of 2016, finished end of 2016. Cool. And what is is kinesiology? What do you tell people that haven't heard of it before? What is it? What is it? So, kinesiology is a modality, that's a complementary therapy, that um, is a perfect blend of Western medicine, Eastern medicine, so Chinese medicine, and a little bit of hippie brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Western, the Western medicine, and, and also why kinesiologists get a big government-approved tick, um, is that um, we use muscle testing, mm-hmm. um, and we know scientifically that the body and the muscles hold memory. And so, kinesiologists are able to ask the person's body questions and get replies from their body, not from their mind. Mm -hmm. So, if somebody comes in with a physical ailment or they've got an emotional issue or they feel like they've got a block in their life, instead of asking the person's brain what that's all about, we're able to ask the body. The body's a lot smarter than our brain a lot of the time, so it can actually give us the correct answers. Instead of the person coming in, for example, and they might have you know, a sore back or something. They'll come in, oh, I've got a sore back. Oh, it's from gardening. Or, And I'll be able to get them up on the table and I'll be able to muscle test on them and I'll be like, you know what, well, sore, sore lower back has to do with money. Have you got money issues going on? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be that. So we're able to then work with the body and do what the body requires to be able to balance that energy and be able to shift that instead of working on what the brain thinks the issue is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, cool. And in your experience, is it the same location for people's issues um, regardless of the person or is there nuances in where someone carries their tension 
from one person to the next? Yeah, it really depends. And um, all, definitely, their, all their issues more than their tension, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, I use the example of physical um, ailments, but a lot of the time, and, and yes, definitely physical ailments, you know, let's say it's um, – someone has issues with their ankles a lot of the time it's that they're not um walking forward in life or they've got issues in their hands it's they're holding on to stuff it doesn't always mean that but a lot of the time that is the reason um tightness in their jaw is that they're riding too much in their masculine energy and a lot of the time that's the case um but a lot of my clients don't come in for physical ailments as such so they're coming in with like i'm a little bit lost you know, I'm feeling um, depressed. We use the word compounded sadness instead of depressed in our mm-hmm. treatment room. Um, or I'm attracting the same kind of men into my life. I'm attracting the same kind of women. Um, you know, I'm trying to get pregnant. Uh, all of those kinds of things. So, it's not so much about physicality then. It's all it's energetic and emotion. Um, you know, and emotion is energy in motion. So, it's about um, being able to work with the body and being able to balance that emotion in the body for them. Cool. And in terms of being a good healer, what is that? What kind of constitutes a good healer? Like you said, your massage therapist is a good healer, and yeah, obviously you would consider yourself a good healer, yep. given the way that you help people and how you've managed to develop your clientele. Like what, what, well, what is a healer in your eyes, and what makes a healer better than another healer, or a good healer better than a bad healer? This is one of my favourite questions, mm-hmm. um, and. An excellent healer is somebody that teaches other people to be able to heal themselves mm-hmm. and why myself and my team, I class us all of as excellent healers is that that's exactly what we do. So, we allow two hours for every single client. There's no looking at the clock and being like, oh, that big emotional issue that just came up, well, it's been an hour mm-hmm. we'll see you next week. Um, we make sure that we explain everything that's going on in our treatment room to our clients. We want them to be able to learn how to be able to balance themselves outside of the treatment room. Um, It's really important to do that, not just for themselves, but then they can share that information with other people, you know, and we can try to make the world be a better place, especially children and all of those kinds of things. So, um, that's to me what constitutes an excellent healer and that's why um, myself and my team are, it's one of our core values. Yep. in our treatment rooms yeah and I think it would be I guess a goal of yours to empower people to potentially not have to come and see you anymore is that kind of like the the arc of your treatment plan you know talk to us about that because obviously there's a there's a balance between running a business having people come and help you sustain a lifestyle and then empowering them to be able to go away and put your teachings into place and not become reliant on you. So, how do you find that balance in in your life between building up clients and wanting to earn a good income and support your family, um, and helping people to to kind of fly the coop when it's the right time? Yeah, another excellent question. It seems to be a topic that's been coming up recently um, for me. And <clears throat> there's a moment in a healer's life where. They could be the best healer and they've learned they're very good at their modality. And I remember, and they have a split moment whether they choose to give a service or they choose to um, ride in their ego. And I know my, my moment very, very clearly. I can see it. It's very clear. It was when I was actually practicing um, on 
friends of mine and acquaintances. So that's how I built up my business in the first place. By the time I'd finished studying, I had 50 clients and it was just by practicing on everybody, right? So, and I had my girlfriend on the table and we, what we do is we're able to muscle test on the person at the end of their balance and see if they need to come back for another balance. And sometimes the body says yes, sometimes the body says no. Let's say the body says yes, we then test to see when they need to come back, right? So it might be two weeks or four weeks or three months or 12 months. It really depends on the body and the integration process. But sometimes the body says no. And I had my girlfriend there on the table and she wasn't paying for a balance, so it wasn't money related. Hmm. But she, it came up that she didn't need to have another balance. Now, it was a millisecond, but there's this split. There's a, And I feel like every healer has this moment in their life where they, they have an option to choose. They either choose to give of service or they choose to write in their ego. So I had that split second of going, right, do I tell her that she doesn't need to come back and have a balance and congratulations, you've graduated, come back when you feel like you need to or you want to, mm-hmm. and then I lose a client? Or do I tell, you know, or do I hold on to her and continue treating her so then I have a a client. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, it it wasn't even a a question, but it definitely floated in my brain. And instantly it was like, hey, so congratulations. You don't need to come back for a balance. Mm. Um, And I remember her looking at me, she goes, you are a very bad businesswoman. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And so we went out for dinner that night with her husband and also, um, and my husband, and they were in the car and they were, and Jane's like, Janelle told me I don't need to come back. And I remember her husband going, and he's very money oriented. He's like, Janelle, you are a very bad businesswoman. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But it just felt right. Yep. And, and I've definitely come across quite a few healers that didn't make that choice. Yep. Um, and it's very evident in their lives. And it doesn't mean that they weren't a great healer once, um, once upon a time. It's just that they chose the ego side of things. So, um, money is not um, even thought about in our treatment rooms. Um, it's a very big uh, issue for me if I have people working for me that money is, a, is, a, is their main driver. Yeah. So, it's a conversation that I sit down and I'm very direct um, with the staff that I have working for me that that is not what it's all about, hence why our balances can go up to two hours um, and, um, you know, we're not charging people by the hour. I give away crystals to nearly every single client even though they're for sale Um, and I don't count my money until the end of the month and the only reason I'm doing that is because I have to do a P&L now for my husband to show him how much money I'm earning. But before that, it's just not – it just doesn't even sit with me. And and that's also – money is an exchange. It's an energy exchange for us. Um, I'd have three balances on actually being able to take money off people because all I wanted to do was give of service. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to receive to continue giving of service. Um, so, yeah. So, that's where I sit with that. Awesome. Yeah, we were just chatting about um, the balance between building a business and attracting a clientele and then, you know, sending someone away because they've got what they've needed and that, you know, put the principles into practice. So Yeah, that's something we've spoken about previously as well, sort of building up that client, not focusing on the money, focusing on the customer care. And Janelle does an excellent job, very generous with, you know, Crystal Sage coming in here when we need it. I know a lot of my staff have had are going through crisis and deal with Janelle a lot and she's been more than more than accommodating for them even outside of hours and things like that 
Um, and that, that shows. That's sort of, that's why you are where you are now. That word of mouth spreads, that trust gets built, people actually respect what you're doing, they don't feel ripped off. You know, you go places and you don't hear bad words spoken about it. Whereas other businesses, you you only need you only need that one bit of sort of poison out in people's zeitgeist. You only need to one client to feel like they've been mistreated or ripped off, and that spreads like wildfire. And before you know it, there's no name there anymore. Um, Can we? Do you want to talk about your a little bit about your sessions, or is yeah, that? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's I just fine. think because we've got you know we've got someone here involved yeah. Yeah. that sees you, so I'd I'd like to kind of just get your insights into your work with Janelle, and you know as as detailed as you want to go yeah, in terms of what you focus on um what you've taken from that sessions and just yeah get a get a working product i'm yeah. curious about well, it. I, I first started seeing janelle I, I have no idea how long ago it's been it's, it, was a, it was a while back that's for sure um mainly around mainly it was sort of just to establish a relationship a little bit because janelle was coming in here and doing our space cleanses and things like that and i wasn't really familiar with what kinesiology was at all I like to refer our clients to people if they are in need of services, and it's probably it's a good thing to actually know what those services are myself. And going into it quite skeptical, um, first session I remember her bringing up my knees, and I've always had a problem athletically with my with my knees. I've always got knee issues. I've always got sort of hip problems around, and that's probably coming from being quite overweight earlier on in my life and that sort of thing. But even without mentioning it. Um, her bringing up my knees and how that went pain and how I really needed to slow down and listen to my body a lot more. And that was always the theme. Every session we, we went through was always, you need to slow down and listen to your body more. You need to slow down and listen to your body more. You need to slow down and listen to your body more. Um, and it didn't take that on board straight away, but eventually it sort of came around. And I actually, you know, it is still something I practice pretty, I, I take a lot more time off these days. I do listen to myself. I'm not doing, I'm not training when I shouldn't be training anymore and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I found that very powerful. And I also found it, it's when you, it's, it's hard to describe what sort of the actual session itself, but it, it's almost feels like a type of therapy for me. You know, you, you get in there, you, you, you end up saying things you weren't sort of expecting to say before you go in. You open up a lot more than you think you would open up to someone while you are in there. And that's a huge weight off your chest. And that, I think there's a lot of power to just that aspect alone, mm-hmm. sort of having a, having a space to really sort of open up and express yourself in a, very a very unique way a way that you can't really bring into normal day-to-day conversation um with someone that's being very very objective and very professional about the whole thing um the therapy's not something i've ever done before but that's that's how i imagine it sort of goes goes down to a degree there's definitely an element of that um and then even afterwards the aftercare she gives you things you can practice on yourself when you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed or you know, a little bit down or that sort of thing. So physical, physical things like thymus tapping and things like that you can do to your to your own body just to sort of calm those nerves and settle it down. And again, very generous with the time. I remember going home with a um, with some crystals, which is not something I'd ever ever dabbled in before, which was uh, which was interesting. Saging became a huge part of my life, um, which is something I do regularly at home now. Something we do almost daily in the center. Um, again, something I never thought I would. Uh, I never thought I'd put any sort of stock into it all, but there's there's definitely something to it. Our 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 home, especially after arguments or you know stranger days and things like that, it's, it feels like it's cleared out, and that that that's been a, that's been very impactful on me. But I think the most powerful thing I've taken from it is a sort of a lack of uh, probably a removal of skepticism to a degree mm-hmm. around this sort of thing. I'm very you know recommend people to go there all the time and. Even if you're not a huge believer in all of 
everything that's being said in these sort of energy healing spaces and that sort of thing, that there's 100% something to it and it's, un- it's undeniable. Just You can feel it's day and night in these centers when we get them cleared out. If we've had a busy month, come the second of the next month, the place feels fresh again. feels like it's got a fresh coat of paint energetically, mm. I guess, which is hard to, hard to argue against. Awesome. Yeah, I'm also, as you know, we've had had a, had a decent chat about this kind of field and um, I've got a little bit of a background in it in that I've researched and had some study in energy healing too and um, it's been a big part of my life in terms of being able to work through unresolved kind of issues from the past. Um, but I, I think the one thing that I sometimes I think it's like any job or any field it's that it it plays a part in a person's life in a balanced way um, and I really enjoyed what you said before about your mode of operation with someone um, and I probably want to go into that a little bit more because um, I think I feel that's really is the art of energy healing whatever modality it is about that balance between empowering someone helping someone not having them lean on you for too long um, and also another thing that I want to ask you about which relates to, to what I'm talking about now is um, the balance between someone coming to see you to try and resolve an issue in their life that's to do with say their their mother or their father or their partner and using that time with you to try and resolve it, the balance between that and dealing with that person directly and honestly and um, resolving it that way. You know, not not just coming to the treatment room to try and resolve that and in a way not doing something that's very difficult, which is look someone in the eye and try and resolve a long-standing issue. So can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. And that is something that's quite common. So with kinesiology, I'm translating from that person's body to their mind. So everything that comes up in their balance is coming from their body. It's not coming from me. It's not coming from their brain. So as Kai was saying, that's the reason that you can have, and he's my favorite type of client that comes in as a skeptic, walks out with crystals in his pockets. And I'm like, so what's going on with your knees? And he's like, what? How did you know about that? You know, so because it's not me, I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not guessing that. It's actually, I'm reading his body and his body's giving me that information. So let's say somebody comes in and they are having relationship issues. My role is to work through the layering process with them. So what happens is instead of when you – and look, talk therapy definitely has a place and, and psychology and psychotherapy definitely has a has a role and a place and that's for people to go and talk about things that are in their brains, right? But with kinesiology, what we're able to do is ask the body what it wants to talk about. So let's say the body has a layering process and it might be that they have an issue with their partner – But what we need to work on first is an issue from childhood when they were bullied by a boy, right? And that needs to be worked on first. And then the next layer might be um, something, you know, where they've brought that into the next situation when they've been dealing with um, a male in their life. And then it might be that there's something to do with how they watch their father behave with their mother, right? So there's there's this layering process that goes on, but the body dictates what that layering process is going to be. And if you imagine that someone's, you know, 
like an organic onion, it's one of my favorite analogies. There's layers, right? And of <laughs> has course, to be organic. It has to be organic. That's what I was going to say. It has to be organic because it's got dirt on it, right? So there's some dirt and there's crusty layers, which, you know, if you don't get an organic onion, a lot of them don't have the crusty layers. It's a little bit scary. So they've got some crusty layers. They get into a juicy layer. And as they get closer into the center of the onion, they get juicier and more condensed. The body is going to dictate which layer it wants to work on. And if it's just removing superficial dirt when they first come in to see me, right, it's because they're protecting that juicy nugget in the center. It might go straight into the center of that juicy nugget and go, right, we've done a whole heap of self-work already. We're ready for this. Let's go for it. So it really depends on how much work they've done. Mm -hmm. So I work with them, as I was saying, going through the layering process. Then it's up to them how they integrate that into their own lives. So some people I will work with for 12 months, 18 months, and it's not that I'm seeing them every month or every week. It'll depend on when the body says it wants to see me before they've got the courage up to leave a partner or say what they need to say um, to that person. It really depends on um, how the body wants to process that. And it is, it's about empowering, use that word before, and that's exactly what it's about. So it's about empowering that person to be able to make those steps themselves. And there's no judgment. So if someone if it's coming up that the person in their the person in their life is not for their highest good and their body's continuing to tell them that, I also then back that up with, hey, if I see you next time and you haven't done anything about that, there's no judgment in here. So don't worry about it. Don't cancel your appointment. Don't be like, I haven't gone through with my homework. I haven't just just know that, you know, you'll get there eventually and it just might take a little bit of time. So what we're doing is we're helping you get to that point. And that might take, you know, it could we don't know how long that's going to take. So integration is a very big part of someone's balance and it's all about them taking self-responsibility and bringing that healing into their own lives. But for some people, it's really difficult. So it's about being supportive but also empowering them enough to know that they can do it on their own. And um, that's also what I say to people, you know, they're like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, thank you, self. Like this, I was just translating from your body to your mind. So you can thank yourself for everything that just happened in this treatment room. Oh, I wouldn't be able to do this without you. I'm like, yes, you would. You'd totally be able to do this without me. Just might take a little bit longer because you would have, because, you know, what I've done is I've just helped you uncover a few layers mm. that you would have got to eventually. It just would have taken a little bit more time. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, and the way you say homework, I think um, eventually when people come into a little bit more, um, alignment with themselves hopefully they don't need to come and see you anymore because they i mean we're all, always going to have problems we're always going to have issues and we're always going to have you know there's always generally going to be stuff that reflects in our body it was a long life to live and there's a lot of challenges to face and um i'm always i'm a proponent of dealing with the problem as directly as possible but it's not always possible to do that um so i think the energetic therapies are really um, sometimes putting people just back on the right kind of track and empowering them a little bit to see that um, their life choices or lack of, you know, lack of re lack of resolution um, around issues in their life is reflected in their body. So, do you see a correlation between people coming to see you and how kind of wound up they are? Or, you know, lack of flexibility in their body and um, as they start to put into practice your homework do you see 
more openness or less tension or like a difference in the way they carry themselves in, in their muscles? Yeah, definitely. So, um, give you an example of a client of mine um, that uh, started seeing me and after, so she had really bad hip issues, um, mostly on her right side. Um, sore leg, sore hip, mainly around the hip um, and to the point that it was uncomfortable to sleep. She was having issues walking. Um, she's the type of person that takes on everybody else's stuff, um, looking after family members, elderly parents, working really, really hard, also maintaining a, um, a job where she's um, constantly um, hearing other people's issues while she's working with them. Now, the right-hand side of our body is our masculine side and the left-hand side is the feminine. So, what was going on with her was that her right-hand side, her masculine, was having to hold really strong to be able to get her through all of the things she was going through. It was like, you know, if you can imagine a, a, a person running from one person's issues to the next person's issues and like listening to them all and trying to fix them. So, when that came up in her balance and we did a, a cor- we did some corrections on that, her hip has never been like that ever again. So most definitely, um, and I know with myself, um, if my hips are aching, it's that I'm not listening to um, emotion. Um, you know, Kai mentioned his knees. What he didn't mention was that um, he didn't really listen to what he was supposed to do for his homework and he pushed himself after his first couple of sessions. And what happened to your knees? Yeah. And they're not great. Not great. Yeah, they got a lot worse before they got better. That's for sure. Yeah. So, it was brought up that, hey, don't go and do this because your body is telling you at the moment it needs rest. And then you went and did that mm-hmm. and then, ouch, hurt himself. So, um, mm, Like clockwork. Yeah. yeah. Could, have, could have timed it to the session. It was predicted. Predicted about a month in advance, almost to the day, so which was which was interesting. Which is sort of that. That was sort of the the uh, aha moment for me. It's like, oh, fuck, I've got to listen to Gerald. And again, there's no judgment. So when Kai back came back to see me, I'm like, well, all right, let's fix that issue, um, and you know, let's delve into that a little bit more. Um, but the other thing I wanted to touch on quickly, you we've been talking about people having issues in their lives and challenges. Um, the work that I do, it's not just about fixing, it's about evolving. So yes, a person will get up to a certain point that they don't need to come back to see me to fix that issue, but they might want to down the track, they might be like, oh, I'm ready to work on, I'm ready to evolve and I feel like I'm ready to learn something new about myself. And for me and for a lot of my clients, often that comes when they're feeling the best. So for me, when I really delve into healings, when, I, when I'll go, right, I'm ready to take on a new challenge is when I'm feeling optimal. It's when my energy is really great and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to work on something, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm itching to work on something. So Life is always going to throw you challenges. It just depends sometimes if those challenges are 
on path, which you've planned for them to be there in your life. And therefore, if you haven't been going through any challenges for a while, right, those um, challenge, there, there has to be another challenge. So, then you can take another step on path if, if that makes sense to you. And it needs to be bigger and juicier than the one before because otherwise you're just standing in the same spot or you've taken some steps back, right? So, I always use the analogy of standing on a ladder, you know, um, if you're standing on a run of a ladder and a, and a challenge comes up for you and it's the same as the one you've just had, well, you're standing on the same run. Or if it's one that's less, you've taken a step down. And um, perfect example is, do you remember free dress day at, school, at high school? Mm-hmm. That's right. So free dress day, girls would like spend all month planning for their free dress day. And if you turned up and someone was in the same outfit as you, you would be absolutely mortified, like, Course. That's a big challenge in your life when you're, you know, when you're 13. Still a challenge in Paul's life. <laughs> <laughs> but now, if I turned up somewhere to, if I turned up to an event or something and someone was in the same outfit as me, I'd be making friends with them. I'd be getting a photo with them. I'd be like, oh my God, you look amazing, right? Mm. That's because I have evolved in that space. Some women, some women or some people wouldn't be the same. They'd still be that would they would still clutch onto that right so they haven't moved up the ladder mm-hmm. so that's still an issue for them um, so you know the challenges that come along as I was saying need to be bigger and juicy than the ones before if I'm still going through that kind of challenge I'm right right down the bottom of my ladder mm-hmm. so um, it needs to be big it needs to be juicy it needs to be like oh this is a big challenge but I feel like it's meant to be here I feel like I'm learning through that. So that's when you're on path and that's evolving. That's, you know, letting go of programming, conditioning, really stepping onto your path and your life's journey. The challenges that come up that we were talking about before with, I guess, you know, we use the word fixing, Mm -hmm. um, is when you've gone off path and those challenges feel like they're scratchy. They're scratchy on the inside. It's the only way I can kind of describe them like, oh, you know, and they have to feel really uncomfortable. Um, and, And if you're not listening to it, they get worse. You know, it's like, oh, I'm having this run of bad luck no you're not you're just not listening to yourself in the first place so the next one has to come and it needs to be bigger and yuckier than the one before and those are those ones to to really push you back on path if that makes sense to you yeah 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 well like you to talk a little bit about melbourne itself like melbourne very progressive incredibly forward thinking but at the same time super busy and we see that a lot in our clients we're getting a lot more people in these days that are looking to make those life shifts, people that are maybe earning a lot of money but absolutely miserable with themselves and not earning much money and miserable with what they do. And But at the same time, a lot of these people are doing a lot of yoga. They're doing a lot of meditation. I know you do a lot of chakra dances and sound healings and, you know, every every other day there's a different, different crazy therapy happening. But <laughs> just a bit about your demographic, about the sort of people you see in Melbourne, and do you, do you think that plays a part? How how forward thinking Melbourne is, how progressive Melbourne is for your sort of success? Sort of landed in the right spot with this, or yeah, um, the dream would be to for me the dream would be to go live in Red Hill, have a gorgeous little treatment room, you know, be in the bush. <laughs> but the reality is that they don't need someone like me in that kind of area now. People have moved to that kind of area because they are in that kind of space. Yes, definitely there's, you know, people would go there, would travel and it would be a nice little retreat for them. And um, 
with, as you mentioned before, looking at getting a wellness centre, which is in, I'm in the process of doing that at the moment, wouldn't it be great to be able to look at in those areas? But giving of service, that's, you know, me giving of service, which is what I spoke about before, says we need it here. And the demographic that I have, I have, um, you know, I, I have people within, you know, um, sort of the more hippie circles, I guess you could talk about it in that way. I've also got HR directors, CEOs, um, a lot of the real estate um, world, um, owners of real estate agents and um I've got um, people in celebrity television, all of those kinds of things, um, bar owners, you know, um, mothers, um, a lot of addictions, all of those kinds of things. And um, definitely in Melbourne, the energy is fast-paced, I guess, not as fast-paced as Sydney, but it's still fast-paced. There's also a lot of escapism going on in in inner city areas so um yeah it's look my demographic it really it it shifts and changes um but a common theme is you know people not being happy and do you do you find that's around what they're doing for a living or relationships or or both i'm mean, just from our business here from flotation it, it seems like the increase is in what people are doing people are more aware that they shouldn't be working 40 hours a week for somebody else in a job they hate now and that's becoming more and more pre you hear that story every day we're in here now people mm. are having near breakdowns because they're realizing most of their most of their life is doing something they absolutely despise and that's probably got a lot to do with the internet being a bigger thing now people are able to sort of communicate to each other better and they're, they're, everyone's realising that they've been scammed a little bit, like this is all a bit of a lie. Um, it's causing a lot of middle-aged people to have a bit of an existential crisis and that's why we're seeing we're seeing a lot of people you wouldn't expect to come into a therapy like this, which is also pretty out of the box. We, we're getting a lot more sort of tradie types and middle-aged, bogany, sort of gruff men coming in and absolutely loving and having those realisations. Are you seeing any of that? Are you seeing, are you seeing people you wouldn't expect? basically coming through your doors these days well i guess you know what to expect what not to expect i've got so many different types of people that come come in to see me and the really wonderful thing uh is that what's going on at the moment is that there are all all of these healing modalities becoming more popular you know it's fashionable it's fashionable to have your matching lululemon water bottle with your yoga mat and go off and do yoga and things like that you know what awesome if that's what it needs to be to actually get people out there trying it, amazing. Um, crystals in water bottles. I've even got one. Mm. Uh, but I've got it for the, you know, for the right reasons. I actually used to put crystals just in my water bottle. And who cares if it needs to be fashionable to look beautiful? At least people are using them. So um, I feel like there's twofold with the internet. You mentioned the internet. It's that there's a whole heap of facade on the internet that people are seeing and wanting to live up to that. So that puts a lot of pressure on people and there's a lot of people that are um, making their lives look so perfect and they're not. So you've definitely got a lot of people that are going, well, uh, my life isn't like that. And then that puts them into a, a state of, um, you know, compounded sadness or not feeling great about themselves. <laughs> then you've also got the other side of it is like that could be inspiring to some people um, when you've got people that are actually being real 
on the internet and and that seems to be a fashion that's coming through at the moment as well you can see you know the, the mothers and things like that that are on Instagram that are actually showing you know breastfeeding on a train oh god look at how awful this is and all that kind of stuff and that's becoming more and more fashionable and and um, that's great because it's actually showing a realistic view of life um, so you know with people coming in to see me coming in for all all different reasons and I feel like it is because now, you know, it did definitely start off with, um, you know, yoga and meditation and now it's becoming more and more popular. But we also forget, Kai, that we live in the inner city mm. and I, I, I often think that the rest of, you know, the rest of Victoria is like us mm-hmm. and it's not. Sure. So, yes, definitely within our sort of inner circle, um, and, you know, the closer suburbs and things like that, we are definitely becoming more mindful. Mm. You think we're in a bit of an echo chamber. Totally. Paran. Totally. It's not even so much Paran, but, you, you know, once you're going out to Caulfield, you're going out to Armadale, also, you know, at, mm. and Elwood and, <clears throat> you know, going to Brighton, you know, you're getting further out, even to Bo Morris, that kind of area. But once you start to get further and further out, it's not as no. mindful as as um, as we are, and also things aren't as accessible. Of course, I've yeah. noticed that when I when I go visit my parents who live in Coffs Harbour, it's you forget if you spend a year living in inner city Melbourne, you get out there and you're all oh, right. This is this is what Australia is actually like. It's mm. a very 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 different vibe, very different energy and way that people do things. Who would you like to see more of? And who would you like to see? What sort of clientele would you like to see more walk through your doors? What who do you think really needs it but isn't utilizing it? Children. Children. So I balance babies from conception, so growing in their mum's belly. Um and you know, I balance that right up to people in their nineties, you know. But we learn from the very moment we are conceived. We learn from our parents' energy. So whilst we're growing, we're learning from the environmental energy, but we're also learning from our mum's emotion state. So let's say our mum doesn't have a voice, she's not speaking her truth. We're going to learn that, you know. Um, And then we're born and our real programming conditioning starts to kick in from, you know, seeing how our parents interact with each other, seeing how the neighbours are in a big family. They're like, oh, that's what a big family's like, you know, all in these environmental issues. Um, so children, and, and if, we can, if we can catch it early and if we can start to balance and we can explain what emotion is all about for them, it's going to save them a lot of heartache and a lot of hard work when they get older. And I, I actually see quite a few children. I've probably got about 20, 30 children um, that I see all ranging, as I said, from, you know, growing in someone's belly um, up to the age of, yeah, no, up to the age of 18. So, um, and children that are coming in and presenting with anxiety at the age of 10, children that have depression, or as I said, get rid of that word, compounded sadness, at the age of 12 and are on medication. So, I know myself as a child, the emotional issues that I was going through really contributed to how sick I was, how I had, you know, I had a, um, as I was saying before, like I had, you know, pretty much a breakdown at the age of 15. Mm -hmm. And so 
if we can work more with children and explain emotion to them and explain and I can give them that homework you know you're saying about thymus tapping before just explaining to them about that kind of stuff it will really help them and then it's going to help society as well the children that are coming through as well are coming through way more sensitive so we had our parents um de- you know our parents generation definitely there were some sensitive people within that and you know we call them indigo children when you're born with more spirit and less ego um and that means that you are um you have a higher energy vibration than you know the average human i do that with inverted com you know commas because it's like what does that mean anyway but that's that's the gift that you were given you gave to yourself so you would be a healer in some way and a healer means a teacher or you know kinesiologist or whatever that is but to help the to give a service to help the world be a better place so in our parents generation there were definitely you know those people came through but if you look back then like if you were that kind of person you it was a bit like oh they're a bit of a hippie oh you know they weren't it wasn't as accepted then we get to our generation and it's actually the safest time for anyone like myself to be born and coming into this earth because now it's cool like i mean you guys are interviewing me about it right and i get to talk about it and i'm i'm not the weirdo um and so that's with my, you know, with our generation, there's more and more of those people coming through. And then the next generation, so the, the children that I have coming through at the moment are so sensitive to energy. Um, and there's a reason because look at our earth. We need people like them to be coming through at the moment to help heal and to help others raise their vibration. So to answer your question, children is who I would love to be seeing coming through my doors more and more. Um yeah, so we can, you know, help the next generation um, be kinder to each other and also have empathy and heal. Mm. Fantastic. I think the children one's a really delicate one because I think in many ways, I mean, I've got a five-year-old son and I'm, I'm really passionate about not passing on my concepts to him because um, I want him to be able to blaze his own trail. I want to give him, this is just me talking as what my, I feel my biggest gift to my son is the freedom to make his mistakes and to completely stuff up without me kind of trying to get in the way of that process or second guessing himself. So I definitely, in saying that I've taken him to a craniosacral therapist since he was, you know, eight months or even less, um, not in a regimental way, but just someone that I, I know the woman really well. I trust her. She's a close friend of mine and, and, I take him there basically. She's she can sort of feel his the fluid motions deep inside him, but there's no uh, there's not really too much talked about. It's more of just a a sitting in um, sitting in communion with someone rather than kind of. Um, so I think I agree. Working with kids is so important, but making sure that we don't load them up with our concepts and beliefs because they are different beings they're a new generation there's a natural evolution evolutionary process where in many ways maybe the areas that we hold issues aren't going to apply to them how do you feel about that yeah and i that i guess we go back to with kinesiology reading the person's body not their mind Mm -hmm. so that child isn't coming in and I'm like right I'm going to choose the topic we're going to talk about and this is what it's going to be it's reading the child's body 
and the body is going to dictate what is talked about, what is balanced, what we work on. And with children, it's very different. We don't do as much talk therapy with them, right? So um, we're definitely using essential oils and crystals and all that kind of stuff. We get them really involved in it as well. We make it fun and it's play. You were saying about not, um, you know, putting, you know, your thoughts and, and onto your child. Here's the thing. You are because it's programming and conditioning. We learn from our parents. And there's a, um, an excellent little saying. It's like what parents suppress, children express. So at the age of five, you're really starting to tap into your sexuality and your sensuality and if you watch a little girl around that age, she's like moving her hips. She's like looking like she's dancing around a stripper pole, right? All of those kinds of things. And a lot of parents will be like, that's embarrassing. Stop doing that, right? So they put their own, they put their own views onto that. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to fuck up our children in some way. It's a reality. We're not perfect human beings. We all have our own issues. We are, and... Um, and, you know, as you were saying, you work on your stuff. I work on my stuff. Not everybody does, but we're working on our stuff and at least we're teaching our children that. So they're seeing, okay, my parents aren't perfect, whatever that means, but I can see that they're working on their anger issues and I can see how they do that. Okay. So when I get angry, I can also see that that is how I work on, on my issues. So it's with children, it's yes, it's very delicate and we do it very differently. I wouldn't like, let's say, vengefulness comes up as an emotion in their balance. I'm not going to say that out loud to the child, you know. Um, I'll do the balances and I'll pull the I, – I send a debrief to the parent and um, the parent's always in the room at the time but there are certain things that you don't mention um, and then I'll send a debrief or I'll, I'll sort of hand something to them so that they can read what's actually going on. Um, and that vengefulness might be that they've picked up on that from their – um, from their mother towards their father because they've separated, you know, and, and they've picked up on that energy. Well, that needs to be worked on because the, the reality is that it, it is affecting them even though we're trying not to imprint on them. We are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. Um, fair point. I mean, it's a, I guess you've just got to trust yourself as a parent if you're going to take someone to see a therapist. And as the therapist, you've got to trust your own ability to handle what is a pretty, you know, delicate situation. So, yeah, I accept those points for sure. Yeah, and I think also coming from my life experience of being one of those children and I understand it really, really well. Mm. So I totally trust in myself to be able to facilitate that with a child and, yeah, definitely having the trust of, of the parent, but the parent um, – needs to also be taking some responsibility for what goes on mm-hmm. as well in that treatment room because, as I was saying, most of it has to do with the, you know, with the parents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you take part in a lot of other therapies and things around Melbourne. Give us a little bit on some of those. There, there always seem to be quite interesting, quite fun, a lot of eye gazing, a lot of sound healing, a lot of chakra dancing. What would be your, your pick if you're, if you're in – this sort of area at the moment, you wanted to sort of start dabbling in this stuff, where would, where would you head first? Things that I do or things that I'm interested in? E- either mean? or. Some, something outside of kinesiology or flotation therapy or yoga or meditation. Yeah. Something a little bit more 
out of the box, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more. Okay. More exciting than floating? Okay. <laughs> so I float. Uh, I actually float, I float once a month. So when I come in to do the space cleansers, I make sure I get a float in. And um, I just wanted to touch on that. And also it's homework for my um, for my staff. So they have to float a minimum once a month. Um uh, so another thing that I um, that I run is chakra dance, and you've mentioned that a couple of times. I love to dance, so being able to facilitate that with people and actually being able to um, have healing occur at that time is um, pretty spectacular. I love doing that, so I run that three times a year. Um, what else do I do? Well, on the weekend. You like my weird and wacky stuff. On the weekend, I participated in a sweat lodge and also a cacao ceremony, um, and that's with my chocolate shaman. Um, and cacao ceremony gets thrown around a lot, and there are a lot of charlatans out there running cacao ceremonies um, where you just drink a bit of chocolate and then have a chin wag. That is not a cacao ceremony, and, I, and unfortunately, I've been conned into going to a couple of those in the past. Um, but Fernando, who runs um, these ceremonies, is, um, is originally from Mexico. He's been here for about seven years and this is something that um, is very ingrained in him. This is traditional family practice for him. So on the weekend, um, he has a big giant teepee um, that he puts up in Warburton um, and also a little um, man-made igloo hut thing, I think you could kind of explain it as that we do the sweat in and a sweat lodge is um runs for about an hour um and they bring in hot rocks into the into the sweat and it gets so hot in there it's actually like I've done a lot of different ceremonies and a lot of plant medicine this would have to be one of the hardest I'm like my body is not me but mine my body is not me but mine I've got my face planted on the earth trying to cool down and trying to so that um, so I did that on the weekend. So we did the sweat first and then we went in and did a cacao ceremony and the cacao ceremony goes for about six hours. So it's, you'll have to come Kai next time. Um, it's, um, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's done in this big giant teepee. Um, we, um, we, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to use the word pray. I can use the word pray to the different elements um, we offer, we'd give offerings to the different elements. There's a lot of music being played. It's really, really beautiful. A lot of, um, a lot of tradition in that. So that's what I did on the weekend. Uh, what with the cacao ceremony? How much stock do you put in the cacao itself, and how much do you put in the? So this is a little bit off topic, and how much yeah. do you put in the actual, the energy of the the vibe of the place? Because I've heard of people taking cacao recreationally now in Melbourne. It's a big thing. You can you can snort it. Chocolate. It's no, no, chocolate. There, there's a place in the CBD that sells cacao launches so you can shoot it up your nose yeah. properly. Like, yeah, like it yeah. looks like a little catapult and it shoots cacao up your nose because you can't inhale it properly. So people are snorting cacao regularly in Melbourne as a party drug. I'm not something I've done myself, but is that, I mean, I've, I've drunk lots of cacao and haven't noticed a great deal of definitely not enough to go out, you know, go partying on. When, when you're doing it that way, are you consuming a lot? Is there much of an effect on the body? Like if, if you weren't in that ceremony and he was just to give you the cacao, would you have a noticeable effect from that, do you think? Is there a euphoria that goes along with that? Yeah, so Fernando's cacao is um, – he makes it himself, so um, he makes chocolate. This is his thing. Um 
so and I have I have his chocolate every morning. So I have cacao every single morning. I have twenty grams around about um, in a hot cacao drink every morning. I don't drink caffeine; it would make me go a little bit too out there. But that cacao gives me a sustained amount of energy, and it sits you in your heart. So um, it would it would be a totally different experience if you just drank the cacao um, compared to having. Um, the whole ceremony process behind that. But the cacao that you would have in a ceremony, it's not – it's quite bitter. It's not mixed in with sugar. It's, you know, you're having it in a ceremony. It's actually, you know, it's got a little bit of coconut sugar in it, but it's it's um, it's not beautifully tasting. You're not going to, like, sip on that. And it's extremely potent and it will be mixed in with other um, other plants and things like that as well. So, um you know, a lot of the, um, I guess, the charlatan cacao ceremonies that I was talking about, they're getting powdered cacao from Costco or whatever. They're chucking it in a pot, telling you to drink it, and then you're going to sit in your heart space. Well, definitely cacao, you know, helps you get into your heart. But um, if you're going through a full ceremonial process and you're actually having it made where it's been blessed and also has all of those other um, bits of goodness in it, it's going to help even more. Another sort of side business that I have, um, well, not side business, part of my business, um, is a is a business called Tranquil Bride, and that was a business that I decided to run, start up at the start of the year because I got married on New Year's Eve, and um, as part of the Tranquil Bride experience, and what I did for my wedding was that I ran a little um, cacao celebration before um, we had our ceremony, and. As part of that, I made cacao for everybody and I, we all sat down and we all put cards and we had crystals and all of that kind of stuff. And the reason I did that and, and you know, I have non-believers in, in my sparkle tribe or my bridal party. Um, <laughs> um, the reason that I did that was definitely for some physical benefits because it's actually going to help give them enough energy to be able to get through the ceremony and still be in a really beautiful space. Um, also, it's a heart opener. So it really does. It really it it's it brings you into your body and it really opens up your heart. And everybody felt that um, from that ceremony. So um, and I wasn't running it in a traditional ceremony, but I was using his cacao, sure. and I also had it. It was quite potent, and we also you know um, paid respect to it. Mm-hmm. That's something I've uh, been meaning to meaning to try for a while. So like just pure cacao on the regular. So I've heard. You know, nothing but good things, even for just keeping inflammation down, mm. even for actual physical benefits. It's meant to be fantastic for the body. So, Well, let me know if you would like me to get you some cacao from Fernando. Me some cacao. Done. One more question before we go into probably your big question. Um, <laughs> Melbourne Reconnect is the name of this podcast. Um, could you give us a couple of your favorite stories from people that you've worked with where you've been able to help them reconnect to themselves or to, you know, in a relationship or just uh, the theme about reconnection, what are some things that spring to mind of people that you've been able to work with where you've played a big part in them reconnecting? Yeah. Uh, So a lot of people that have been, have come to see me have quit their jobs and now have, now have lifestyles instead of a job. Um, I've helped a lot of women get pregnant. It's another thing, Mm. you know, so, in that sense, 
Um, I, I would say that's probably everybody's got a different journey. It's really hard to pinpoint one particular journey, but it's definitely my what I love work I love working with people and getting them back on path Mm -hmm. and that's the whole point of this you know and so when that they do get back on path they do reconnect with themselves and they figure out what do I want to be when I grow up Mm -hmm. and so as I was saying a lot of people quit their jobs a lot of people might leave a relationship I've helped um so when I've had some women come in to see me and they're just looking for love they just want to be loved they just want to love someone and you know, I'm like, well, it get, comes up and I'm like, you need to love yourself before you can have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And they're like swearing under their breath. I, I have got one client of mine that was just like, I walked out of that treatment room and I was like, fuck you, Janelle. Like, it's the first time she met me and she's like, fucking da-da-da-da-da. But then she came back to see me and we worked and we worked really hard and she worked so hard. And then, you know, she's now in love. And she had to fall in love with herself before she would be able to attract the right person into her life. So, those kinds of things, um, it's all about, you know, getting on path and and loving yourself and then everything sort of falls into place. Mm. Yeah. And what pointers could you give to someone who's feeling, who might be feeling a little like they don't really, you know, love themselves or accept themselves without going into too much detail? What are some things that you think someone who might be listening who listens to you talk about falling in love with yourself or, you know, coming into a greater um, acceptance of yourself. How does that, how how can they do that? It takes a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. to be able to love yourself. Um, About three years ago, I had a girlfriend of mine come up to me at a, came up, yeah, at dinner and said, hey, Janelle, do you love yourself? And I looked at her and I thought for a bit and I was like, no. She was like, whoa, out of everybody that I thought that I would ask, I did not expect you to say no. I was like, no, I don't, but I'm on, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out how to get to that space. <laughs> and she was like, I've asked a couple of our other friends and they've instantly said yes. But I look at them and I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. And the people that she told me, I was like, mm, no, it's just an instant like, yeah, I do. right it's a defense and um and so I worked really hard on that and I worked hard on that with um and I had been working hard on that for quite some time I became I was celibate for 18 months I was like stuff that I'm not giving away my energy that that freely Mm -hmm. I'm just going to figure out who I am did a new things challenge I was doing one new thing every week of the year to figure out who am I? What things do I like to do? Um, I, um, you know, I would read read different books. I would go and I, I travelled the, you know, travelled on my own to explore who I was so I could trial out different new versions of myself and meet different people. Um, I, um, you know, and then I got to a certain point. I remember being at a party and going up to her and tapping her on the shoulder and saying, hey, come over here for a sec. And I said, oh, I've got something to tell you. I actually, I love myself. And, uh, so, um, but it was hard work to get there and it was really worth it. Um, one of the things that I um, still do to this day and I encourage my clients to do is I have, I am written on my mirror with a whiteboard marker right in front of my face. You look at your mirror a lot. 
So you go to the toilet, you come out, you wash your hands and you're, you're looking at that mirror a lot. So I have a whiteboard marker there permanently. So as I said, I have the word, well, the words I am written and every single day, every morning, I write something that I am. Not something I want to manifest into my life, not an affirmation. I write something that I am that I'm really struggling with on that day, but I know I am. I truly know that that's what I am but I don't believe it on that day. Mm -hmm. For example, it might be, you know, um, I'm intelligent, um, which is one that I wrote today because it's nerve-wracking coming in here and being asked questions and and what do you talk about and, oh, God, are they going to stump me or do I know what I'm talking about? Am I a good kinesiologist? All of these self-doubts come up to the surface, right? So this morning I wrote, I am intelligent. Um I have written, you know, I am a writer. So I've been thinking, I'm not good at writing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, you are. Like when you read your stuff, you're like, whoa, did I write that or did somebody else write that? Might be that I'm beautiful. That's always a big one for men and women because we all have weeks where we're not feeling the best and we look at ourselves and we're like, ugh. But actually, we know we're beautiful, right? Deep down, we know that we're a beautiful person. Um, it might be like, I'm a good friend. That's that's another one. It's like you're really doubting yourself because you've been really busy at work and you haven't been able to get in contact with people. But if you actually look at it, no one's been in contact with you either. Mm. So really, you are really a good friend. All of those kinds of things, right? So every day I write something up on that mirror mm -hmm. and then our cleaner comes once a fortnight and he cleans that off and then I start again. So I've got all of those words up there and it's really interesting when you look at some of the words that you wrote at the start of the fortnight compared to where you are now. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling hot this week. Yeah, of course I'm beautiful. It might be like, you know, I'm, you know, I might have, I'm sexy up there and I'm like, yeah, I am today. So it's like all of these things that like you were doubting about yourself at that time, but you're not doubting about about yourself now and we're human so we always have these kinds of things so that really really helps with self-love it is extremely confronting for some people mm. um but it's a it's a really great exercise to do and we have friends over all the time and that whiteboard marker is there permanently so i will often see that other people have written stuff up there as well um my husband jack doesn't like to use the mirror as much as i do he says that's your thing janelle not mine because i'm like what are you today and he's like oh that's your thing not mine but then every now and again i'll see that he's written something up there he just needs to do it in his own time and space but one of the great things about that being a couple is that he can see how i'm feeling about myself at that time. So let's say I'm not feeling very sexually attractive mm -hmm. and I might have, you know, I am sexy or I am sassy or um, then he will be able to pick up on that vibe and be like, okay, she's not feeling that sexually attractive. How can I sort of help facilitate that for her? And I'm, it's not about him fixing that because he can't, but it might be, you know, when you've got a teammate um, like that, that he might be able to, you know, subtly, you know, tap me on the bum or something when I walk past. Mm. I remember writing um, one morning, I am loved on there and I was just feeling a bit isolated. And so I wrote, I am loved. And I remember getting a phone call. Like I had like five missed calls and I finished with my clients. I was on, you know, my break and I, and I called him and I'm like, hello. He's like, hi. <laughs> I'm like, hi. He's like, just calling to tell you that I love you. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Thanks. So I could just saw, you know, just just making sure that you know that you're loved. Yeah. So he'd seen that written up there, and he was he was concerned that I didn't feel 
loved, you know. So it's 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 great for that as well. So not only is it great for yourself, but it's great for other people to see how you're feeling. And that can also be extremely confronting for people. I have, you know, clients of mine that'll be like, oh, I couldn't do that because what if people come over and they see see it written up on the mirror or I live with housemates? What if what if they see how I'm really feeling about myself, mm. all of my insecurities, my vulnerability? Um <coughs> You know, so um, that's a great exercise to do, but it can be quite confronting, but it's extremely worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, I love everything you just said. It really uh, gives a, yeah, just could really um, connect to, to that. And I think it's really important for people that if you are going to work on yourself or improve elements of your life, it's great to do that. You don't want to stagnate and you don't want to just accept, you know, we're here to live a life and have adventures and to improve and to evolve. Um, but wherever you are at this time whether you are you know you've got big relationship issues or you hate your job it actually is okay on one level it is okay it's not a reason to dislike yourself or dislove yourself because you're not living your dream job or because things aren't going great with your partner or you've got a crap relationship with your dad Um, I think it's important to find that place where you just spoke from which is for sure I'd like to feel different about some of these parts of my life but I'm still okay you know and I think for me the word okay I connect to that word because I think if there's an underlying level of okayness with what's going on not to fall into stagnation that oh I'm okay it doesn't really matter but a base level of acceptance of your life circumstances at the time that's really really important because you can constantly be searching for the next thing whether it's the next big house or next fast car or the next bodily issue that's not there it's all the same thing just dangling that carrot of whatever it is out in front of you so i think just being okay with the fact that maybe i don't really like myself you know do you get what i mean so um i just wanted to say that because i think it's an important part of my life because i am passionate about certain areas of my life and growing in certain areas and but i also stagnate and i also some parts of myself i don't quite like and some parts of other people i don't quite like and it's kind of okay to be me through this process. Um, you yeah, got something I, I, I agree. I think, I think that that's a really good way of putting that, just being okay. And I think that's something I, I relate to a lot as well. And I often find myself doing that. Just, yeah, I'm fine. And being, being okay is in a much better spot than a lot of people are in. Like the fact that I'm, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm in much better shape. I'm not 160 kilos anymore. It just, but at the same time, not not happy with how I look. But I know I'm I'm okay, and I, I do sort of coast on that a little bit. But at the same time, I sort of not enjoy coasting on that. But I I've made that a part of my life. Is sort of that acceptance, like okay, we're this is this is fine, and okay, this is this is fine. But this is this is great. This isn't so good. But for the most part, everything is fine. And I think fine is a good spot to try and sit at because mm-hmm. most people, not most people, but a lot of people you see are never they're leagues away from even just being at that okay level. doesn't have to be fantastic, but I don't know. I, I thought, thought that was a good way of putting it anyway. Um, Can I just add something to that? Yeah. The word fine is one of those words that does, can make you a little bit complacent, right? It depends on your, um, I guess, your your feelings behind that. But in society, that word is that word. It's just like, you know, it's, it's and a lot of us are taught that that's what that word means. Mm. And you guys are saying okay, and I think that's a great, great word to use. I used to I use the word compassion. It's about having compassion with yourself for where you're at. Mm-hmm. And a little child 
that is in, let's say they're in primary school and they're um, told by the teacher, you're stupid. Like, what are you doing? You don't know how to write that properly. What does that child end up being when they grow up, right? They end up being someone that f- that doesn't know how to write properly and that is, you know, not highly intelligent because they believe that about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a little a, a kid that's told, you're a bully, they end up growing up and, and being that bully. So, seeing yourself as that child, talking to your inner child at that time and being compassionate with that instead of being like, like you just said, I'm not happy with my body. Kai, I'm extremely happy with your body. I think <laughs> you too. look great. Yeah, it looks and, very, very nice. And this is that stuff that, you know, we work on with you. This is why you push yourself and you you hurt yourself, if you don't mind me saying this to everybody. You hurt yourself because you're not happy with your body and we know that that comes from past issues, right? So, being compassionate with yourself instead of saying, you know, I'm okay, but I'm still not happy with my body. Mm. It's yeah. like you're alive, you can move, you're fit. Yeah, I think, I think that the way I phrased it was a bit was a bit off. You know, I wouldn't say I'm not happy with it. You know, there's always, there's always room for improvement. I guess what I was sort of getting at is that improvement doesn't have to take precedent over everything. It's not something I need to stress out over. Like we're at we're at a level where, you know, we we're, we're content, and it's not it's not something that I need to put other things to the side for. Like I, I used to, I'm not, I don't need to be hurt because of it. I guess mm. you know I don't need to be doing that extra work and all that extra time and not listening to myself just to sort of get to somewhere that isn't really probably even achievable at all. That's probably you know it's like chasing a dragon. It's going to be something that's just going to continue on getting more distant, more distant. The longer you chase it, the harder you chase it. So. I think that was just a miss, miss word. Mm. There's, also, there's also something called the victory bank and you've got a massive one. Mm. And the victory bank is looking back at all of those things that you've had victory with mm. and look at your life. How many years ago? Mm. How many years ago would we have been going back when you weren't feeling that great about yourself Probably, when you are overweight? You know, eight, nine. Eight or nine years ago and look how far you have come mm. in those eight or nine years, right? So when you're having moments of feeling like, you know, I've got to keep, yes, you definitely want drive and you definitely, and it's nice to have goals to be able to achieve and things like that. But as you just said, those things are probably unattainable anyway. Mm. So when you're feeling, when you're having moments of feeling down about yourself and down about your body, look back, look back in time and go, whoa, remember when I lost 10 kilos and that was like a massive victory, right? goes into my victory bank, Mm. right? So you've got all of these victories and it doesn't just have to do with that. It'll be like with, you know, finding the love of, you know, finding your partner in crime, you know, your Mm. girlfriend at the moment, having Mo come into your life, all of this kind of stuff, you know, getting a job here, doing doing podcasts, all of this kind of stuff goes in the victory bank. It's like, yeah, look at look at that thing that I achieved. So when you're having moments where you're doubting yourself, you look back at your victory bank and you can kind of pull, you can take a deposit out mm-hmm. and bring it into your, into your life now and go, okay, cool. But there are some people that don't have that victory bank and it's a lot harder for them to even visualize it, that something like that would be achievable. Sure. And this is where someone like you, you know, is a great mentor and a great inspiration for other people that that don't have that victory bank. So sharing your story with people will actually help them realise that they can achieve those kinds of things. Does that make sense? Uh, it does. Cool. Um, we've got to wrap up here pretty soon, but I think the overall sort of theme for this podcast has been being a bit more compassionate with yourself as opposed to, I mean, be compassionate with others by all means, but... You know, taking care of yourself first, and that—that's something you've always sort of preached. It's always been about your sort of your inner 
inner peace or inner happiness and finding that in yourself, which I think is fantastic. But, you know, uh, so one big question to, to wrap this up, which we've already sort of prepped Janelle on. So if her answer is too good, that's why. Um, <laughs> do you want to do, do this one? No, I got it in front it. of me. So, yeah, all right. On your deathbed years from now, uh, what is the thing in life that you would most want to have achieved, essentially? You may have prepped me on this question, mm-hmm. but this question was so easy for me to answer. I looked at it briefly and I was like, why has he even said that to me? That's an easy one for me to answer. I don't know what that thing is that I'm going to want to achieve. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the things that I would hope that I, you know, I'm lying on my deathbed somewhere in a rainforest with crystals all around me under a full moon (laughs) Um, is that remember I spoke before about being on path I believe that the earth is a university right and we have we have a class timetable and we have all of these things that we want to learn while we're here on earth and those things could be really big challenges they could be some karmic things there could be a whole heap of stuff in that and I and I would love to think that by the time I'm, you know, crossing over that, well, I will have ticked off quite a few of those things on my on my life's path, my journey, because my belief is that if I don't, I'm going to take them with me. I'm going to have to come back and relive those things again. And I'm hoping that I won't have to come back again. So, um, that's what I would like to achieve. Fantastic. Well, and knowing that regret is the biggest, uh, knowing, <laughs> knowing the biggest regret of the dying, sorry, in the context of that statement, how do you see yourself living right now? Like, how are you are you working towards that right now? I mean, obviously, doing what you do is sort of the antithesis of working towards that. But are you happy with how that's progressing at the moment? Yeah, I'm not just. Yes, definitely. What I do for a living is is that I'm I'm working on that. But I do a lot of stuff outside of hmm. treating clients. I'm constantly working on myself, but I'm also giving myself time to integrate that as well. I'm not someone who just enjoys the drag up of their issues and doesn't integrate that into their into their life. I'm really focused on maintaining my balance so then I can balance my clients. So yeah, I and and I put a big emphasis and a big effort in to into doing that. And as I said to you before, you know, when I'm feeling my best, when my energy is at its best, and you know, that's when a lot of people would just be like, yeah, don't have to do any more work for the rest of my life. All my personal development is done. I'll bask in that for a bit because that's the whole point. We do this work so then we can bask in the glory of feeling amazing. But then I'll be like, okay, ready to work on the next thing. Mm-hmm. Let's bring up the grief of my father. You know, these kinds of things that I'm chipping away at. So, yeah, I'm definitely integrating that into my life, not only in my life, but, you know, my husband's life, my family's life, it, it all, the flow on effect and, and my friends and my clients, the flow on effect goes out from there and it comes from my personal experience and being able to say, yeah, I've been you, you know, and these are the things that I've done and not only just speaking them, but they can see that those are the things that I've done in my life. Awesome. Perfect. Um, where can people find you? You can find me at elementwellnessandhealing.com. Good luck um, getting an appointment. <laughs> you can get an appointment. Look, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Whenever clients reschedule or cancel, I'm never stressed because I know that there'll be someone within two minutes that needs that spot or I need that time off. So, there's if you're meant to come in and see me, you will definitely get an appointment. It always happens that way. I have total faith in that. Um, and also, you can come and see Nathan anyway if you can't getting to see me um so you can find us on instagram as well with the same element wellness and healing and also facebook fantastic 
Any uh, last remarks there, Paul? No, thanks for coming in. I really, I mean, you've got such an enthusiasm and a passion for what you do, which I really enjoyed mm-hmm. um, hearing about. Um, and I think it just takes different people in this space to, like you said, you're going to you're gonna get an appointment if you need one and you're going to connect with people if you need to. So I think the more more genuine people in this field, the better. Um, and yeah, it was nice to catch up with you and spend past the time. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate you Thanks having me in. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.